2: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Levinsky, Senior Editor. Hi, everyone. Well, Mara, murder is on the mind of two sets of show writers in the week ahead, which will make for some must-see viewing. So, on General Hospital, we will see someone fall victim to the hook. And we have a very teasy cover this week with the possible victims, which includes Ava, Brando, Michael, Diane, and Nina. So one of those characters is not gonna survive and you're gonna have to tune in to see it play out. Now, over at Days of Our Lives, the identity of Abigail's murderer will finally be revealed. Um, That's also going to be a tune-in moment, and Kevin Spiritus will reprise the role as Craig as part of that
1: story, and it's going to be an explosive set of episodes in Salem. Justice for Leo, is all I'm going to (laughs) say. The the timing, I'm sure, is coincidental, but for fans of both of those shows, it's very kind of days to solve their whodunit, just as G.H. is kicking off theirs in earnest. I will Say that in addition to saying goodbye to a character on GH next week, the amateur detectives in the audience will also get some vital clues about who the killer seems to be targeting, and we'll learn more about how they're going about it as well. And then in far less deadly news uh on YR next week, we're going to meet a new player, an attorney named Audra Charles, who is played by Zuleika Silver. Uh, we have an interview with her in the new issue, and she says she kind of fell in love with her new YR family. During the audition process, because while this doesn't always happen when she tests for jobs, uh, the actors she read with were fun and made her feel really comfortable and were willing to rehearse and just gave her a really good feeling about the group that she was going to be working with. Her character comes to Genoa City to meet with one of the town's high-powered business icons, and then her story will certainly blossom from there because it is a contract role.
2: Well, also on YNR, we're going to see Sean Kanan's Deacon cross over to his former home and cross paths with Melody Thomas Scott's Nikki, uh, even though the scenes technically take place in Los Angeles, which is, you know, the home of b and um, mm-hmm. Speaking of b and Ridge is going to walk in on a close moment between Brooke and Bill. And Steffi is going to intercept a call that Brooke makes to Ridge to keep him away from Brooke and closer to Taylor. Uh, now we've gotten so many emails to our SoundOff inbox from readers who just cannot understand why Steffi and Thomas are so obsessed with their parents reuniting. And frankly, I can't disagree. I mean, Don't get me wrong. I think Torsten Kaye and Krista Allen have excellent chemistry. I wouldn't be opposed to a Ridge and Taylor reunion, but I feel there are better ways to bring them together than through their adult children who are acting completely immature. I mean, I'd be on board for a Brooke and Bill redo or even a Brooke-Bill-Jack triangle. I mean, where is Ted King? Or we could do a Bill-Lee-Jack triangle. I mean, there are just a host of opportunities here.
1: I agree with you. I I actually wrote a second opinion in our thumbs up, thumbs down column at one point decrying this same thing, this obsession that these grown children have with their divorced parents getting back together. I think it kind of like galls me because my parents are divorced and it's very obvious to me why they weren't meant to be together and not for one second when I was a kid. Did I want them to get back together? Much less carried that desire into adulthood. And it's not that I couldn't accept a soap character feeling that way about their parents. I just don't feel like it serves either of these particular characters that they are so hung up on this. And I think it's particularly true of Steffi, who I generally think of as a more emotionally healthy person than her brother is. I don't like Steffi, you know, talking trash about Brooks, sleeping with multiple members of the same family when. Hello, she has done the very same thing. You know, just as Brooke was intimate with Eric and Ridge and Thorn, Steffi slept her way through the Spencer men, so she doesn't have the moral high ground that she seems to think that she does. In any event, I wish that Steffi and Thomas were putting all the energy they're putting into trying to force a Ridge-Taylor reunion into signing Taylor up for like some dating apps. <laughs> and if Ted King were to reenter the picture, why not pair Taylor with Jack? Oh, I would totally be on board for Taylor and Jack as well.
2: Again, lots of story potential here. That doesn't have to be a retread of a triangle we've seen or compromise the characters in the process. Um, Also in the new issue, we have two catching up features. One is with Murray Bartlett, who played Cyrus on Guiding Light and just took home a primetime Emmy on Monday night for his work in The White Lotus. And the other is McKenna Grace, who played Young and Restless's Faith, but has found great success outside of Genoa City. Now, speaking of catching up, our guest today is a daytime alum who has appeared on two soaps, one on each coast. It's Farah Fath, best known to daytime fans as Days as Mimi and One Life to Live, Gigi. So let's check in with her and see how life is going. Hi, Farah. Hi, Steph. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm so good, and I'm very excited to catch up with you. I feel like it's been a while.
0: Yeah, maybe yeah. like... Well, I mean. Not that long, but I feel like the last time I did any kind of soap opera interview, it's been many moons, so many
2: moons. So everyone wants to hear what you're up to and how you're doing, but we are going to start at the beginning. So you are a Kentucky girl and got into showbiz at a very young age versus a model and later as an actress. So tell us how you got involved in
0: modeling when you were only five years old. Oh man. My mom says that we were just driving in the car and I, um, I guess I could read, I don't know, but she said that I pointed at the little local modeling agency and said that I want I want to go there. I want to do that. And I, this is her story. So I don't know how I knew what it was or anything, but, um, I definitely, um, liked the spotlight. I liked to be like on a stage or behind or like in front of the camera. And, um, so I guess I kind of believe her because, I definitely remember like wanting to do all those things. Um, I don't know how I knew what modeling was, but, um, yeah. So she took me there. I got some headshots. Um, the cutest little headshots you've ever seen, like my height, my weight, I weighed like 40 pounds, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And, um, I did, yeah, I, I did a lot of local modeling. Um, and, uh, and then I guess when I was, um, When I was eight, we went to LA and, um, we did this modeling and acting convention and I got a lot of, um, interest there, but it wasn't a good time. Like in my, in my mother's life, I don't think she was fully prepared for like actual offers to come in. Um, you know, we lived in Kentucky and my little sister and my family, and she was just not ready for that. And that's fine. And then, um, I went to school a few more years and I guess when I was 14, I, I told her I wanted to get serious about acting and I, she was in a better uh, spot in life to like, let us go for it. And so we went for
1: it. Well, before you really focused in on acting, you also had a stint on the pageant circuit and in 1995, you were named Miss Kentucky preteen. So what did you like and what did you not enjoy about the pageant experience?
0: I remember um, there was like the, the mail was sitting on the kitchen table and like in the mail was a pamphlet for this pageant. And I saw the girls on the front of the pamphlet with their crowns and their gowns. And um, again, it was something that I lobbied to be a part of. So I asked my mom, can I do this? And I showed her the pamphlet and She said, okay, I, she had no idea what she was getting herself into. It costs a lot of money and you have to have all the right wardrobe. And there's a lot of, um, coaching and training that's involved. And we didn't know any of that. I don't know. I got so lucky because my babysitter that summer, she came, she was over one day and she saw the pamphlet and she said, um, why do you have this? And I said, Well, I, I'm gonna do that, Pat. I'm gonna be in that pageant. And she goes, You see this girl right here? She was one of the winners from the year before. Uh, uh. And she was on the pamphlet and she goes, I can help you. And I was like, Well, great. <laughs> Um, if not for that serendipitous little situation, I would have come in dead last. Um, yeah, I mean, I had no idea. Like she, her and her mom were like laughing at me when they would like have me show them what I like thought I was going to do on stage. And they were like, no, 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 no. Um, so they kind of whipped me into shape real fast and helped my mom get me a wardrobe for like in the cheapest way possible. I think. Um, they had a little seamstress in town who sewed together this dress for me. It cost like two hundred dollars at the absolute most. Meanwhile, other girls had on like three thousand dollar gowns, you know. And um, but yeah, I took it down, and um, I didn't really have a lot of interest in pageants after that. I kind of that was like the biggest one at the time in in that area, and there was like. I want to say there was around a hundred girls and it It was like big deal. And I kind of just felt like I conquered that now. What else can I do? But, um, yeah. So yeah, I had, I had a little pageant moment, but it it was short-lived. Well, were you excited that you won? I mean, oh, it sounds yeah. like I mean, improbable. Yeah, right? I bawled my eyes out when I won because it—I had really worked really hard in you know the two months leading up and practiced so hard. I wanted it so bad. I was—I'm very competitive at heart, and um, and uh, I just—I really wanted to win. <laughs> and it was funny because like I went into it, and even though like it was my first pageant, and like all the other girls it felt like all the other girls had been doing it since they were like learning to walk. Um, I think I was 11 at the time. Um, uh, I, I I knew I was going to win. I just, I went in there and I was like, I know I'm going to win. And, and, and I felt like that about my days of our lives audition too. I knew I was going to get the part and I, and I say it, and I've said it, um, many times since then, I never had that feeling again in anything else. (laughs)
1: So, um, all right. You were only 15 and had one year of high school under your belt when you did land at the role of Mimi Lockhart on days in 1999. So had you ever auditioned for a national television show no. prior to that?
0: No, no, no. Um, another, yeah, it was another ser- serendipitous situation. I watched days, um, since I was little, little, littler than 15 and, um, my grandmother watched it and the same babysitter that won the pageant she watched. It too. <laughs> um, so between those two ladies, um, I was addicted to watching days of our lives. Um, the, the manager that I had met in the winter at the convention took me around to a few different agencies and the first two agents didn't, or they passed on me cause I didn't have any experience And then the third agent, his name's Kurt Patino. He um, was with Bobby Ball Agency at the time. Kurt is like still a friend of mine. I mean, I don't know how many years it's been, 20 plus, 20, yeah. Oh gosh, yeah, over 20 years. Um, He took a chance on me, saw something in me. And then a week after I signed with the Bobby Ball Agency, they sent me on the audition for days. And um, it's just, it's so funny to me now because my mom she had given us three weeks to make it in Hollywood. (laughs) She had three weeks off from work and that's all she could afford to, um, do for us, but I made it happen. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I mean, looking back, it's just so, it's so crazy. Our like our naiveness, or is that a word? Naivete. Uh, Naivete. Um, really worked to our advantage, I guess, because we just, we had nothing to lose. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't even know. I'm sure Kurt knows at this point that when I signed with him, we only, <laughs> I mean, it was supposed to be like a year contract and we were only going to be there for two more weeks.
2: <laughs> well, tell us about the whole audition process at Days and actually getting the role, like who to audition mm-hmm. with, what were your, like, what were your hopes at that point? Well, clearly you knew you were going to
1: get it.
0: I knew I was going to get it. Um, I knew the role of Mimi already. Um, I, I was fascinated with the character of Belle coming onto the scene. And then I remembered seeing her little friend and then the little friend being Mimi. And I, I, so I was in Fran Bascom's office. May she rest in peace. Um, and I remember just looking at all the pictures of the cast on the walls and, like, I I just asked her, I was just like rambling my little, I was just blabber mouthing to her about everything, like asking her so many questions about the show and the storylines and the characters. And this is another thing, like another thing I think about, like now, like looking back, like her face, like just looking at me like, oh my God. <laughs> Who are you? You know, i was just this little like Kentucky bumpkin. Like I just had gotten off the bus from Kentucky and I was like in a whole other world, but, um, that really fit the kind of description for Mimi. You know, she was just this quirky, um, sidekick friend. Um, that was supposed to be the comic relief. And I, I walked into that office just being that and, um, I didn't know it at the time that I was just nailing my audition by just like not shutting up. (laughs) Um, and then, yeah, so I knew I was going to get a call back. I was like, Oh, that went really well. (laughs) And I I had the callback and the callback was with Kirsten, uh, reading with Kirsten in the offices, um, you know, at the studio. And I remember sitting upstairs on the couch and I don't there if they're, I don't remember any other girls being there, they probably just didn't matter to me, <laughs> just really just was there to, you know, sign, sign on the dotted line. Um, but I remember Allison Sweeney being up in the offices and that was just like off so awesome for me. And so I, I think I took a picture with her or I, no, I asked her for her autograph. So she, she signed like my audition script or something. And then, um, but I also remember thinking, well, that's not the last time I'll see you, Sammy. <laughs> yeah. So then I went to the room and I read with Kirsten and that was it. I mean, I, as we were like, basically as we were leaving the, the lot, we got the call that I got the part. Wow.
1: Yeah. Were you starstruck at all by Kirsten? Did you feel at ease with her? You know, if you were a fan of the character?
0: Uh, Both, I guess. Like it was... You know, it was a little surreal for me, um, definitely. Um, but I was just really excited and really like overly confident. Do you remember your first day and what it was like? Um, yes. This is like being in a therapy session, by the way. Like <laughs> these are not things that I remember <laughs> until you ask me. You're um, <laughs> here deep, to serve. These are deeply rooted memories. Um, <laughs> Patrika Darbo, I believe, and Kirsten we're, it was a hospital scene and I had like two or three lines. That was it. And, um, I remember like, I had to bring my own clothes in the first few episodes. Like I think they didn't know like how long I was going to last or whatever, but, and, uh, I remember being insecure, like about my body cause Kirsten was like so thin and I was like, kind of like a, vo- like voluptuous teenager um, I remember being, feeling that kind of insecurity, but like, other than that, I was like really comfortable, like behind the, like acting and like, and I was just having so much fun and I couldn't wait to have more, more lines. I remember like thinking, Oh, I, I want to, you know, have like a whole page of dialogue. I just had like two lines the first day.
1: So, careful what you wish for, Vera.
0: Oh my God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> thousand episodes later like my brain. <laughs>
1: so if i'm not mistaken the role was um originally intended to be exactly what you signed on for which was just bell's sidekick mm. but once you were in the part i think they offered you a, a contract a little while later and expanded yeah. the role is that correct?
0: Yeah, i think after like 6 months um my mom was wondering, should I quit? Cause I, I had, at this point I was staying, I was in between like staying with a family friend that we knew out there. And then also a lady that my manager had, um, mm-hmm. a friend of like his, um, she lived in Burbank. And so I was kind of like staying with this stranger and my mom would come out when she could, but she had my sister and her job. And so after six months, she finally inquired, she was like, is this going to be like a thing? Like, do I need to quit my job and like move my other daughter out here? Like, do we need to get like our own? Cause she, you know, she didn't know how long it was going to last. And so my manager then went to the powers that be at days. And apparently the reaction was, oh, we didn't know she wanted to sign a contract. Of course she can sign a contract. Like, okay. So (laughs) then we signed a three-year contract. All we had to do was just kind of like say, Hey, can I have a contract? (laughs) And you got one (laughs) really bizarre. And, um, I remember like in the first year or two, um, Steve Wyman was the EP at the time. And he brought me into the office, which was like usually a scary thing, but he said to me, he's like, do you know what everyone says in the, um, In the what are they called the The focus groups? Yeah, focus groups. Do you know what everyone says in the focus groups? And I was like, No, I don't. He said, "Um, Everyone wants more Mimi, and I was like, Oh, okay. And he goes, So I just want you to know we're going to give them what they want. And I was like, Two thumbs up to this. And (laughs) that's when I like yeah, I was like, wow, I think I'm doing good. And, um, you know, and yeah, my role just kind of progressed from there. Mm-hmm. So thank so- you to those people in the focus groups. Thanks focus groupers. So
2: <laughs> did your family move out here? And then what was that adjustment like then now that you're all living in Los Angeles after Kentucky?
0: Yeah. Um, we got an apartment in Burbank and my sister started high school in Bur- in Burbank and, um, they were here for like two or three years. And then when I turned 18, um, I just, I wanted my independence. I was like, you know, I'm working. And, um, I was grateful that my mom like had let me do what I was doing, but I wanted to like live on my own and stuff like that. And, um, they, so they went back to Kentucky and my sister started college in Kentucky.
1: So what about you? Did you have anything akin to a traditional high school experience once you were on the show?
0: No, I, I did a, uh, well, you know, the first few months I was on days, I tried to do a real high school, the high school there in Burbank, John Burroughs. I think I was there for a couple of months and then I just ended up missing too many days. And um, it just made sense for me to get on a homeschool program. So I got on a homeschool program. I mean, truth be told, I hated school. Like that was one of the reasons I wanted to start acting, um, my freshman year of high school in Kentucky was just like torture. I was bullied. Um, I just didn't like it. I, I only loved drama class. Like one when I, that one hour a day in drama class was like my escape. And I just wanted more and more of that. I was just addi- addi- addicted to it. Um, So as soon as I could like get my GED Pearson and I, we both did that together. And, um, I'm not sure how old we were, maybe like 16 and a half, 17. And, and then once we got that, um, we just, we could work adult hours and we wanted to work adult hours. We loved working and, um, hated having to do the mandatory three hours of schoolwork on set and just made it a lot less fun. And, you know, we're making money. And if I wanted to do school later down the road, I was like, mom, I'll do school down the road. If I want to, like if I need to, or want to, and I never ever wanted to. (laughs) (laughs) It all worked out.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, as Mimi, you were part of a storied group of younger characters that included Belle, Chloe, Sean, Philip, and Jan, and really like a whole new generation of days um, that the audience looks back on that crew and their ups and downs with such fondness. So, why do you think it gelled as well as it did?
0: Wow, you know, it was so. It all started it was still in the '90s, so it's like still in like the heyday of soaps and. Um, there really hadn't been like such a young group come on in a while. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so I think they brought us on at like just the right time. And um, I mean, I would attribute a lot of the six, we just were lucky. It's just one of those, like we, we all had good chemistry and our characters were uh, written well and, um, yeah, I mean, it just, it just worked and it, it all worked. And, um, it I'm proud to have been a part of that, that little era
1: <laughs> as well. You should be a uh, critical, critical component of it. Uh, what was it like to go to work and have so many people kind of in your age group?
0: Mm, it was fun. I mean, it still felt like school. Um, I still had that, you know, a lot of the social stuff, except we were just pretending to be at school, like, <laughs> our <laughs>
2: Even Long. better. It's not yeah. real.
0: <laughs> yeah. Our fake dances and all that. Um, it was just so much fun. I just, I never once like had a, like a time period on days where like, I just wasn't having fun. I all seven and a half, eight years, I just had a, a total blast. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was just like the coolest thing <sighs> to have had happen.
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, well, who were you close with off camera and like, what are your fondest memories of those friendships?
0: You know, I was, I'd like to think I was friends with like everybody. We, um, both bells, Kirsten and Martha. Um, I mean, Jason cook, uh, Eric winter, Kyle Brandt, uh, Jay Johnson, Nadia, we're, I was friends with everyone. And if if there was a recast, I was friends with the recast. I just, I loved everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And we were all like, um, still so young that like, we liked to go out and we'd like to like, you know, be social, like outside. Like if I were working on a soap these days, I would get to work, I would do my job and I would come home. There'd be no after (laughs) work drinks and like going out on the weekends that's that would just not be a thing anymore but um we were all at that age where we had fun doing all of that stuff so Mm
1: uh well you uh had a pretty awesome on-screen mother on the show and Mm -hmm. judy evans who plays bonnie tell us about uh working with her and your relationship with her
0: she's just the sweetest person alive she's so sweet and um she's so happy to be there. Like she, she's like so grateful to be there. And, um, any day she gets to work there, she's, she makes the most of it. And, um, and I love like, even though she was like a veteran when she like came back on as Bonnie, um, she was, she was nervous. And that was like refreshing for me to see, um, that someone who like had an Emmy and had like been on the show already and like done other shows, she was like, she was, it was like her, you know, she was nervous and like giddy again. And, um, I was like, oh wow, that's cool. Um, and I think I would, you know, be the same way now, but, um, yeah, she just like treated, she treated me like a real daughter. So, um, she's just like a dream to work with and couldn't have asked for a nicer person to, yeah. Can't say enough nice things about Judy Evans. Mm -hmm.
2: Well, early in 2007, you left days after about an eight year run. So tell us about making that decision.
0: Um, it's a decision that I like immediately regretted after my last day. I was like walking to my car and I was like, what did I just do? That was like such a good gig. But um, I, I I, think it mostly had to do with like being a little burnt out on um, just LA and um, just like my lifestyle. I just wanted, I, I don't know eight years at that point being, I was 23. Um, that was like a lo- big chunk of my life. And I just kind of wanted to see what else was out there. But then, then once I like made my bed, <laughs> I was like, Oh, I, now I'm scared. Um, Cause that is all I, I wanted to experience other things, but then I, I don't know. So it all worked out. Thankfully, I was really scared for a few months, but um, I had the meeting with ABC and, uh, it went well, thankfully. So, and that, I couldn't have asked, you know, for it to work out better because I got to like, start that next chapter and leave my little Hollywood, uh, life behind and grow up in New York. And, um, I got to kind of like start over and like, um, I think like being so young on days, um, I don't want to say that I didn't appreciate things, but like, I may have taken some some of it for granted and um, not treated my job like with as much respect as I should have. I just, you know, I would come in some days, like I didn't even look at my lines and I'm just like scrambling to like learn my stuff. And um, when I moved to New York, I wanted to like be really good. I So, you know, and like be on time every day and really be prepared and I just wanted to start over and start fresh and, um, in a new city and, um, grow up a little bit. So, um, that's what I did.
1: So you are referring of course, to taking on the role of one life to Live's Gigi Morasco. You said you had a meeting with ABC. Was it specifically for one life or just the general ABC daytime was interested kind of thing?
0: It was just to see, um, quite frankly, um, when I was, I'll just Brian Franz had told me at a party when I was like 19. Um, if you ever want to make the jump, you just call me. And, um, I didn't leave days with like that as my plan. I wanted to like, I had a pilot season. Um, I tested for a, a sitcom, um, in between leaving days and taking the meeting with him. Um, or it came down to me and one other girl. It was like a big sitcom for Fox, and um, they went with the other girl. And so I just I wanted I wanted to see what I could do, maybe like outside of the soap world. But then pilot season started dying down, and like I was just used to working so much that like three months of unemployment was like felt like forever to me. So I kind of um, I was starting to freak out a little bit. Um, and so then I said to my manager, well, "Let's see if Brian remembers saying that to me." Um, and he did, and uh, he said, "I don't think we have anything on General Hospital right now, but we're testing for um, Sarah Roberts on One Life. Uh, why don't we have you go out there and test for that?" And I was like, "Okay." Um, so I screen tested with I went with David Fumero. And then um, and then I went home and then they said, we don't think she's right for Sarah. We, we want to create a role for her and have her work with <coughs> John Paul of
2: OK, well, that must have been flattering that like you did enough that they want to create a job for you.
0: Yeah. And it was fun because um, then they told me I would be starting in a few months time. So I had a job lined up. And so I could stop stressing and then have a little fun, like, you know, so I went home to Kentucky um, and just got to be with my family and friends and kind of just uh, hang out for a few months. And then and then I geared up and I moved to New York. So Gigi was
1: introduced as a single mom and a waitress in Paris, Texas, where her co-worker was Vicky Lord of Landview, though she didn't know it at the time. What was it like coming in and like working right off the bat with her legendary portrayer, Erica Slayback?
0: I couldn't believe it. I mean, I couldn't believe that that's how they were bringing me on. I was like, that's a big deal. <laughs> I'm like, they could have brought me on so many different ways where it like just didn't matter as much, but like that was like really flattering. And, um, it made me just like really, uh, well, like realize that they're trying to like get people accustomed to me as quickly, like they're trying to get me in the mix, you know, and that was cool. So, and man, she was just like, just so easy to work with and so fun to work with. And like, and, you know, I already had the, um, the mentality of like wanting to like be really professional and, um, do a good job. But then like, I saw her work ethic like right away. And I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. So I just need to like watch what she does. <laughs> um, yeah. And like the whole vibe there was just, um, I'm glad I had that mentality already because that was a New York set and an LA set. It was so different. Like the LA set was just so much more like, <laughs> How do I say this without not without like making it be offensive. I mean it was just like l- more like laid back but also more diva-ish, you know, like checking everyone's checking their makeup more and they're and they're this I need some time and blah blah blah. And I and I was guilty of that. Like and then there's no time for any of that on a New York set. It's take your places. Oh you want to powder your nose? <laughs> like get on with it. And then every, yeah And they did, they just did things differently and, um, but I, and I was ready to learn. So, um, but yeah, Erica was just, she was fascinating to work with in the best way. Just like, she just had the best energy and, um, I can see why, like, I mean, she she was just like the queen of the, of the studio and, um, yeah, it was, it was great. Well, at the same time you're navigating this new new job, you're navigating
2: a new city. So what was the transition like for you to now live in New York after Los Angeles and Kentucky?
0: It was exciting. It was just an, an adventure, uh, learning the subway. Like, how how do I get to work? I don't have a car. It was just like all new. Um, and it was fun. Who were your buddies in
1: the One Life cast? Like,
0: who did you socialize with? Um, it was sort of just like, it was different from um, days you know, like also I came in as the new girl and uh, Melissa Archer was really welcoming and um, Beth Ann Bonner was very welcoming. Um, Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It was, it was because I was, I don't know. Like I just, I was just there to work. So it wasn't as much of like, um, let's go out and party. It was just like a different situation. Everyone was nice, but I, uh, I wouldn't say I had like super, save melissa archer like say like really super close friends like like i had on days
2: so as you mentioned your main love and trust on the show was john paul of rex and the two of you became an item in real life as well so what was it like to work so closely with your real life partner and then have that relationship in the public eye
0: it just was natural uh we had a great time we like our personalities like we just laughed a lot and um yeah. It just happened all very naturally and it became just kind of normal. I think what, um, it was maybe like a little bit weird when like he, he would have intimate scenes with other and then like vice versa. I mean, cause I had never dated a co-star before. So, um, but yeah. And then it was, it was a great time though. Yeah. We had a lot of fun.
1: So, uh, not like things weren't soapy for Gigi, like throughout your run, but I feel like it really got cranked up toward the end of the show when like the lad their last few months of story, Gigi was seemingly killed, but Uh, it turned out that the true victim was her sister, Stacy, who had undergone plastic surgery to look identical to Gigi and Gigi returned from the dead and got her happy ending. Uh, she married rex and they moved to London with their son. Uh, so what stands out to you when you think about that whole stretch of time, which also coincided with the show going off the air? Um, it was just like
0: soap opera in it's like most pure form. Um, I loved it. I mean, when they told me, uh, Frank was like, we're going to kill Gigi. And I was like, well, okay. (laughs) Uh (laughs) (laughs) And and that's how I kind of left it. It was like a long pause. And he goes, but we're going to bring you back as, and then he explained it. And I was like, well, okay.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, in light of that reaction, were you ever someone who was one of the people of like, my character wouldn't do that? Or did you ever kind of push back about a story on either soap?
0: Um, I remember, um, Getting a little bit frustrated with um, the storyline where Stacy was blackmailing her about um, the stems, like ho- with- withholding the stem cells for the cancer for the son's cancer treatment, Shane's cancer treatment. Like that just went on for so long, and Gigi up until that point had been like real, like a really strong-willed uh, single mom, like woman, and. And then this Stacy comes in and just like walks all over her. And so I got a little like, you know, I, I like, I don't know why I, sometimes with your alter ego that you, you actually get like protective of them. Like, it's like, you know, you go in and out of these two personalities every day and it can be like, actually like it can, it can affect you. <laughs> I look back now. I'm like, I don't know why I cared. It was just not real. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, I just uh had wanted Gigi to like punch the crap out of Stacy much sooner. But yeah, that's the only time I can remember like not being like thrilled with the way a story is going. Um had it just been like shortened and like I think that's what Ron Carlovati had told me. He was like, "I just got so much pressure from uh ABC to just keep it going as long as possible. So he was like, don't hate me. (laughs) Uh,
1: So when, when, when one life, um, did end, do you remember like where you were in your life at that point in terms of like, did you want to stay Were you, was it obvious to you, you would move back to LA? Like how, how did that period of time go for you?
0: Yeah, it was obvious that I'd move back to LA. Um, and I thought it was, Obvious that my ex would move with me, we moved back together, but like it was a real hard adjustment for him, and uh I don't know things just i we started auditioning and I had some like really good opportunities um when we moved back uh, or when I moved back um, but I was so rusty with my auditioning um, I was like really nervous and um, you know, th- I don't know how many years, 13 years on soaps. I just, um, I don't know. I just was kind of, I, I just had worked. I, I had no training in auditioning. So I kind of mm-hmm. like blew some really big spots there when, after I moved back. Um, and, um, I don't know, just like had to kind of re I had like a, an identity crisis. I mean, like I had just been on soaps for, I felt like my whole life—and. Um, so everything kind of came crashing down and, um, yeah, so that was like, I'd say like the six to eight months after I moved back to LA, it was just like, Oh, uh, just kind of crazy. Like personal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, um, it all worked out. (laughs) It all worked out for the best. Yeah. Um, well, in
2: 2011, you appeared on the E! Network soapy reality show, Dirty Soap, alongside several other stars of the genre, including Kirsten Storms and Nadia Bjorlin, GH's Kelly Monaco, um, who plays Sam, and Galen garing Days' is Rafe. So we've had the Dirty Soap discussion on the podcast with several of your co-stars. We've had yeah. some mixed reviews of the experience. <laughs> so what was it like for you, you know, to be filmed, to have cameras following you around? And what, like, was there any coaching? done? Like what was your experience with dirty? Well, I have just
0: learned so much that it's all about the editing. Like they can, they can take a, a situation. It, it happened this way. And then with the power of editing, we'll make it look like it happens a completely different way. I mean, there's count on every episode. I was like, really? That is not how that happened. Or that is not what I like. They just edit, like they'll take whatever you say in a different situation and they can dub it in wherever they want it to to make it sound like you reacted that way to something else. And I, I, I mean, in the way that they like decided to portray me on the show was, it was just like this out, like, it was like a, almost a villainous, type personality. Um, but that's, I mean, nothing happened the way it, it really. Yeah. So I was kind of astonished at how like editing can just like be your worst nightmare. Um, worst friend, um, very bad friend.
1: Has <laughs> <laughs> it made it impossible for you to enjoy reality television?
0: Yes. Cause I'm just like, you can't trust anything that's being portrayed like this this could have happened a completely different way. Like she might've not even said that there. Um, I've caught things before, or like now that I like am hyper aware of it, I'm like, look, the, her lips didn't even match up with what she just said right there. <laughs> um, so yeah, I learned a lot. Um, I don't want to say like I regret it. I don't regret any, you know, type of thing, but um, yeah.
1: But just you, learn, you maybe learn. wouldn't do the reunion special. <laughs>
0: I don't think there's any point. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well,
2: and some happy personal news in 2015, you tied the knot with your husband, Phil Galfond. So
0: how did you two meet? Um, So I had played or I've been uh, interested in poker for many years Um, and actually dirty. Soap is the reason I had a Twitter account made. They made it for me. I had kind of um, sworn off social media at that point um, deleted like my, MySpace and my Facebook and those sorts of things. And then now the dirty soap people are telling me you have to have a Twitter account. And I was like, I'm not doing Twitter. I don't know what Twitter is. I don't want to be involved. And they're like, all right, well, we're going to do it for you. And I was like, <laughs> fine. And, um, I don't know a few episodes into dirty. Soap, I thought, I wonder what they're saying as me, like, because they're pretending to be me on Twitter, and so I I checked in, and it was just the corniest stuff. <laughs> and I was Like, oh my god, these people think that I talk like this. This is ridiculous. And I told the producers to give me the password to this account because I'm just going to take it from here. And then, so I logged in, and I was like, well, if I'm going to be on Twitter. I want to at least follow some people that like I'm interested in. And I think my husband was like maybe the first person I followed because I had seen him on, um, high stakes poker, a television show. And he just like his, his little, his personality was like very like dry and like understated. And like, he just, he kind of drew me in. Um, so he, yeah, I think he was like the first person I followed and I followed him for about a year on Twitter, and was and always really like um, I don't know. His tweets would like grab me more than anything else. I he I just was like I had this pull towards him, and after a year, I replied to something he said, and I don't really think I had never like replied to anybody before besides fans that I didn't know. Like I'd never tweeted at a celebrity or whatever, and he responded back, and I was like, oh. And that's really all I kind of thought about it. And then, and then a couple more like instances and then, um, and then I made a joke and he didn't reply back to the joke for like a couple of days. And I was like, Oh my God, he did. He thinks I'm stupid or like, <laughs> Yeah. I was like, Oh, that was a really dumb joke, I guess. Oh man. And then I, so I direct messaged him. I got like really in my head about it. I was like, sorry for saying like, blah, blah, blah. I was like, just, you know, that was, I, I don't, I don't even remember what it was. And he was like, Oh, Hey, hi. Yeah. No, I didn't even see it. But at that point I had slid into his DMS, but I, um, <laughs> but not with any type of like, um, you know, I didn't have a, motive for it. Besides, I just was like embarrassed. Um, And then we started talking on DM and then um, that that went on for like a few weeks and then he was going to be in LA. Um, Well, he said he had plans to be in LA, but I learned like two years later that um, he lied and made that up just so he could come meet me. So um, yeah. And then the first week we hung out, it was like, we, we knew that that was it. And it's been 10 years. <gasps> it's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. So your wedding took place in your home
1: in Las Vegas. and Melissa Archer, who we've talked about, uh, was one of your bridesmaids. What else stands out to you as you look back on the big day?
0: Um, well, I wish I had, had de-pooped my hair a little bit. <laughs> but um, you no, know, I mean, I the thing I look back on, everything looked beautiful. I just wish that I had um, like kind of relaxed a little bit more and just tried to be in the moment. And like, I was maybe like stressed about like all the logistics of it. And, um, I should have just like, let it go and let it just come together the way it was supposed to. That's the advice I give to people I know now that are going to get married and just like, just take a deep breath. Don't worry about things and just like focus, like being in the moment. Um, But yeah, I mean, the the flowers, everything looked gorgeous. So, I mean, that's what's most important is that everything (laughs) looked good. (laughs) But um, I wish I had been like a little more present. Mm -hmm. Okay.
2: Well, that same year you appeared in one of Allison Sweeney's Hannah Swenson mystery series adaptations for Hallmark and got to work with both Allie and Cameron Matheson, who plays Drew on GH Now. So tell us about that experience.
0: Yeah, I mean, that just worked out. I, um... We, Phil and I were, um, back and forth from Vancouver, um, quite a bit, um, in the early years, he played poker on online and, um, he had to be somewhere other than the United States of America. And so, um, Vancouver is where he chose. And I, uh, would see that Allie was back and forth to Vancouver a lot. So I messaged her like, we should get together, you know? And so we had dinner and a couple times and, um, and she overheard me and Phil talking about getting our residency. And she was like, what, you're going to get your residency. And I was like, yeah. And she goes, Oh, well then you can work on one of my movies. And I was like, Oh, I didn't know that that's how that worked. But, um, so she's like, just let me know. And, um, I mean, I still auditioned for it, but I think she was like a big part of why. I got the part. Um, yeah. Once I got my residency, um, I, I auditioned and, And then, yeah, it was really fun. Um, Then I I don't know, after that, I got really comfortable in my new house in Vegas. And like, we kind of just, Vancouver was just kind of phased out. Otherwise I would have, you know, tried to keep working there. That was like, I didn't know the residency card was like my magic ticket, but I could have like done other projects probably, but I don't know. I just got really cozy at home in Vegas. So. And I was taking up poker more seriously also. So that was like another passion that was taking up a lot of time. And, um, you know, I started to like reevaluate, like, do I even want to keep acting? I like love poker so much and there's a lot of money to be made in poker, So that's another reason, but.
1: Well, in 2018, while you were uh, pregnant, Mm -hmm. uh, you got the call to return two days as Mimi for a short stint. This was Mm -hmm. uh, your first appearance in Salem since 2007. Mm -hmm. So first off, what did it mean to you to get that call? And, And what did it mean to you that over 10 years later, there was, you know, still so much interest and affection for your character that they wanted Mimi and you back?
0: Yeah. I mean, I was shocked. I think, um, you know, it has a lot of ducks have to be in a row. I think, you know, Ron knew me from one life. So, um, I, I think that probably helped. I don't know if maybe there was a different head writer, if I would have ever popped up on the radar, but, um, yeah, I, I, I was very surprised and, um, excited. And unfortunately it happened, uh, during the like three sickest weeks of my life. <laughs> so, so nauseated, um, and trying to hide that. Um, so I didn't get to enjoy it as much as I would have normally, but I, I mean, f- for the condition I was in gray faced and throwing up in my dressing room, um, <laughs> I, I enjoyed myself for, for the condition I was in, but <laughs> I, I really wish, I mean, it had just been like a month before that would have been fine. Um, so yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, it it would be cool to do another stint again. I'm not going to be pregnant again. So um, this time I could really, really take it in. Mm -hmm. Well, what was it like for you to even just be back on the set after all that time? So weird. I mean, it's just like, I think it's probably like going back to like a childhood home, you know, that you hadn't been to in a million years. And it's like, This is where I used to do this. Oh, this is where I'd get my coffee. This is where I would take naps. This is where I would eat my lunch. This is, you know, and everything looked the same. And, um, it was, yeah, it was definitely weird. So many familiar faces, everyone just a little bit older looking and, um, it was surreal. Yeah.
1: Well, uh, the cause of all that nausea arrived in December of that year. You became a mom to your absolutely adorable son, Spencer. So having a sister, but no brother and nieces, but no nephews, were you at all nervous about having a boy?
0: Yeah, I mean, I just was going to roll with it, but I definitely wanted a girl because I have my nieces and I only like, I don't know, I'm not, I had not been around any boy babies, Um, but he's just... (laughs) Best. He's so cute. Um, I wouldn't have it any other way. And I get, you know, my nieces are, I'm so close with them and they live out here now and uh, they've got their own room in my house. And it feels like if I want to, if like I want to pretend to have a daughter, I definitely can do that with them. Like <laughs> I buy a girly clothes, I paint their room pink. And um, yeah, I mean, they're going to grow up with my son like as close as, as they're going to be like sisters to him anyway. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh,
2: well, you mentioned poker in recent years. Your own profile has risen on the circuit. So, tell us about this shift in your professional life.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I love. I just love the game. I started playing like a lot when I moved to New York. Um, I would go to Atlantic City quite a bit on the weekends, and I just fell in love with the game. And I'd watch it on TV. I'd read books. And then when I met Phil, he just he just taught me so much. And I, I, I don't know, like, it's not that I, it was just sort of this natural path. And I became, I would say close to obsessed with it. And people will ask me, do you like acting or poker more? And it's pretty even, but I would say poker probably even has like the edge. Like it might be like a 60, 40 or maybe a 70, 30 thing. I just love the game. It's so Exciting! It's always something new. It's never the same situation. Um, and that competitive part of me gets to really come out. And, um, yeah, so I, I played, I would go to like, before I was pregnant, I would go to the casinos and play live like most nights. Um, I was there most nights and I started off playing like low, really like low stakes, not, you know, wagering very much money, but then, I started making a lot of money and realizing, okay, I'm. I guess I'm getting good. Maybe I can move up in the stakes. So then I would move up, and then, and then I'd move up, and then uh, I found myself like in some very, very big games over the years. Um, but once I, now that I'm a mom, I don't play as much as I used to. But I, I mean, still dabble and make some money during the year. But um, it, it's been a wild ride for sure. <laughs> Like, I, I mean, you, there are some nights where I just like, you wouldn't even believe like, I mean, I'm, I'm like millions of dollars are on the poker table. It's just crazy. Like where, like to think about like how I grew up and then my being on a soap opera. And then now I'm like this high stakes poker player. I mean, I was playing games with celebrities, uh, billionaires just like, yeah, I've seen some wild stuff. I've like, you know, I've made crazy amounts of money in one night. And it's just like a, it's like one of those movies you see in the movies. I don't know. It's just,
1: I want to see this movie. <laughs> <a> movie, <laughs>
2: Um, does Phil still have his website? Shall we plug it?
0: Yeah. He owns a poker school. Um, it's subscription based. It's called run He has about at any given time, like 40 professional poker players, um, that are all very successful, um, teaching like in, they have their own way of teaching, but like videos and you can just watch, um, it's just this giant library of, uh, yeah, poker school. And, okay. um, a lot of it is pretty advanced, but you can, um, there are some beginner courses in there too. So run it once. Yeah. And, um, yeah. That's it.
1: (laughs) So clearly you mentioned playing with celebrities. So you've recognized some people at the table before. Have you ever been recognized at the table before?
0: Yes. Um, well, to be honest, I'm mostly recognized for being Phil's wife (laughs) that, I mean, that's just the world I'm in, but, um, a lot of people will say, Oh, um, and I know that I know you're Phil's wife, but I also know you used to be on blah, blah, blah. And my mom, or like, you know, then maybe I'll take a photo for their mom or their wife or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. But, you know, I'm definitely more known as a poker player now. Like the soap opera life is, it's it's back there now.
2: <laughs> well, the what, what if a soap came calling? Maybe not just days. You're in Vegas. You can get to LA easily. Like, would you go back? I
0: would well, the problem is I, I wouldn't be able to do anything long term. Like I just not with my life and Spencer and school and being out here, but I could definitely make like a few like a few months worthwhile. You know, but I hate being like, I'd love to do it, but um, can you kill me off in three months? You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like
2: short visits are sort of the new, um, the new black. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm up for a short visit. I just, I don't know if they, if anyone out there is. So, but if they are sure, short short visits, I can do.
1: Before we let you go, what would you like to say to, uh, you know, the, the fans who know you more for your soap work than your poker work and have been following you since 1999. And of course have such fond memories of the characters that you've played.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I posted a throwback recently on my Instagram and I got so much response from it. I was really, uh, my heart was warmed. Um, you know, I forget that, like, that was like a big time in soapland. So many people watched in the nineties and early two thousands and, um, you know, people scheduled their classes around it. And I forget that, like, I, I was really a part of that. And, um, so, I mean, listen, if I, I feel, I feel like it was just, it was just a special time for me as it was for them. And, um, I don't, I mean, I don't think I did anything out of like out of the ordinary. I was just like, I was in the right place at the right time. And I don't know. It's just, I think it's cool too. And like when they tell me, Oh, I used to love watching you. It's like, I, I can really understand what that was like because I watched the show too before I started. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I just feel so grateful to have been a part of of it during like that time. Like it was just such a cool era. So um yeah, super cool part of my life. And um I appreciate anyone who's ever said anything nice to me <laughs> like <laughs> on the internet and whatever and um I actually have in this closet over here I have a couple bins full of fan letters. Um I never threw any of them out. So um yeah, any all of that stuff's really, you know, special to me. So
2: well, I feel fortunate that I got to meet you through days and I appreciate the time you gave us today, Farrow. It was so great to
0: catch up and looking well, thank forward to for having me. I'm always to... in shock when someone wants to talk to me about anything. Just...
2: <laughs> We've been talking about having you on forever. So surprise. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, hope to talk to you soon and um have
0: a great day. Thank you. Thank okay. you both.